welcome a great woman of God who happens to be married to a great man. Ridiculously good looking. Average in every way except his looks. I am. I'm 175 centimetres. Average height from now. I'm uh, average weight. Anyway, moving along. Stand your feet. Let's welcome Paula. We're ready to receive. Such a goose. Thank you. You're awesome. My husband. He's a funny man. <laughs> Above average in funniness, he just said. <laughs> oh, I'm the only one who found that amusing. <laughs> I'd like to share a scripture with you. Ephesians chapter 3, 20 to 21. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think according to the power that is within us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Today's message is about trust, learning to trust him with everything. So I want to tell you a little story about Joshua. When Joshua was six weeks old, we decided, well, we decided before this, but when he was six weeks old, we as a little family unit went on an aeroplane flight. It was Joshua's very first time to Sydney. Now, I'd booked to go to the Women's Colour Your World conference and I thought Andrew would enjoy it, so I invited him to come too. No, <laughs> he he's like, that's not funny. No, Andrew came because we had a new, beautiful little six-week-old boy and I really wanted to enjoy the conference. And Andrew was like, let's have some father-son bonding time. This will be great. So, yes, not at the conference. He's saying not at the conference. He didn't go to the conference. He just hung out in Sydney, showed Joshua at six weeks old, all the sights, had a great time. Now, I'm a little bit of a planner. And when it comes to holidays and events and stuff like that. And so taking a six-week-old baby on an aeroplane, I was like, oh, I don't want to be one of those mums that has a screaming baby the whole plane trip. So I like, not that there's anything wrong with that happens because babies scream whenever babies scream. But, you know, like I wanted this perfect trip. So I had all these plans in place. And I made sure that Joshua's nappy was changed before we got on the plane. I, I did this concoction of kindness, I'd like to call it, where before we got on the plane, I, gave, I drugged him, yeah. I gave him Panadol just in case his ears would hurt. I, I sprayed this fest spray thing up his nose and then I sucked out any snot that might be there so that his ears wouldn't get blocked. And then I gave him a bottle, you know, just made sure that everything was covered. And so I think everything's right. He's had my concoction of kindness. His nappy's changed. We're all good to go. We get on the flight and we sit down and they have this little baby strap. They strap him to me and we're sitting there about two rows behind the um, emergency evacuation line, right? And so these are the days where they didn't have the video announcement, you know, to tell you the, how to get off the airplane in case of emergency. So this lady stands in front not far in front of us, and she starts giving instructions to the evacuation row on what to do in case of emergency. And so she goes, in case of emergency, actually, hang on, <laughs> let me get in the frame of how she said it. She goes like this, in case of emergency. <laughs> Literally, she's like, 
in case of emergency, if I shout, evacuate, 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 you need to. And as she said, evacuate, 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 I was watching her going, oh, my goodness, this woman, if, if, you're, if there's an emergency, I don't want evacuate, evacuate. You know, I need evacuate, evacuate. Anyway, Joshua's sitting there in my lap, a little baby, and as she goes, if I say evacuate, evacuate, Joshua does this. Really loudly, seriously, really loudly. <laughs> His little face going red. And I literally burst out laughing. I couldn't stop. I was like absolutely doubled over, like laughing my head off. I mean, this woman just told him to evacuate and he's like, radio then. Ah, no problem. I'm on it. Yep. And so I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, I've covered all bases, but this, oh no, <laughs> Joshua, this is not the time to evacuate. She wasn't being literal. Ah. Anyway, so there we were on this aeroplane with Joshua and it smelled so bad too. <laughs> It was so funny. We, I was with some girls from church and we were all laughing. Andrew's sitting there laughing. So here's my first point. <laughs> Ephesians 3.20. God, Paul tells us to respond to the call of now. And here my son in that moment of now responded to the call in his life and he evacuated right there and there on the spot. He, he responded to the call that God had on his life. <laughs> I know, I tried to make it fit. It fits, doesn't it? Yeah, it fits, it fits. <laughs> now to him, back to Ephesians, now to him who is able. Now is the time we respond to him. Now is the time. Now when Paul wrote this scripture, he was in prison. He was in a tough spot. And he yet still said, now is the time to respond to God. Now there was not, thank goodness, an emergency on our aeroplane and we did not need to evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. But right now, regardless of what situation you're facing, we need to turn to him now. Now to him. With a sense of urgency, we turn to him now. Now to him. Why is this important? Because when we don't turn to him when we're in trouble, we tend to make our problems bigger than Ben-Hur. We tend to make our problems like up here and we exalt our issues over exalting God. We say, actually, I can deal with this. I don't need your help, God. And we turn instead, instead of turning to God, we turn to the problem and we put all the energy and focus into it. And what happens? We get sick, we, we get overwhelmed, we struggle. We, we, and then most of the time we go, oh, I'm not getting anywhere with this situation. I better actually ask God for help. So Paul says now to him, now we respond to him, now we turn to him, now is the time that we give everything over to him. And we do that because, the next part says, because he is able. This is about trust, because he is able. Oftentimes, if you're like me, I think I'm more able than I am. Instead of turning to him, I need to turn, I turn to my problems. We need to turn to the master. Does anyone here watch MasterChef or any of those shows? Yeah, well, when, when my wife lets me, here I've got, uh, <laughs> thanks for the heckler out the front here. Uh, so, 
having watched MasterChef a few times and My Kitchen Rules and all those TV cooking shows, I've discovered one thing. I am not a very good cook. <laughs> Actually, I didn't need MasterChef to tell me that. I am not a good I'm not a very good cook. I'm not a chef. I'm not a good cook. If you have a problem with cooking, you don't turn to me. You turn to a master. I'm not your person. When we were in our very first appointment as Salvation Army officers, we were sent to a town called Griffith. I think the people in Griffith, far western New South Wales, had this special grace on them because <laughs> I cooked for them one week. <laughs> it was so bad. I, I didn't even know why they ate it, but they did. And they even went back for seconds. There was a, a ladies group called Home League and every single week we met, and this particular week it was Orange Week, and I thought <laughs> it was so bad. I cooked this orange risotto. Hello. I mean, it already sounds bad, let alone looks bad. This, I really couldn't cook. I can't cook. I burnt it and I, did, I refused to eat it. I put it out and said, oh, I'm so sorry. What a mess. And people went back for seconds. They must have been very polite because it was bad. If you've got an issue with cooking, you don't turn to me. You turn to a master. If you're struggling with issues in your life, you turn to the master. Don't try and deal with it all on your own. Now to him. He is able. Now to him who is able. That is who we turn to. You got it? Yes. Yes, brother, I've got it. Yes. You got it? Yes. Now, I can hear some of you saying in your head, well, if he's so able, why didn't he respond like I wanted him to when I asked? If he's so able, why didn't XYZ happen? Why did ABC happen when I prayed? It's a good question. Here's the answer. Whether he does or does not respond the way that you want is his business. Knowing that he can respond is our business. He can respond. He absolutely is able. Our goal is to trust him with everything regardless of the outcome. We trust him regardless. Now to him who is able. He can. He moves and sometimes he moves in different ways than we expect. It's his business. But we trust him entirely. Now back to Joshua on the aeroplane and his evacuation. Joshua responded to the call of now and I did what every good wife does, what every good mother does. I turned him over to his father and said, here, you deal with it. <laughs> I didn't want to deal with it. But the thing is, Joshua, poor Joshua, didn't realise that the seatbelt signs were on. So Joshua had to sit in it for quite some time before his father could respond. He did literally have to sit in it before we could respond. Now, we all make mistakes and sometimes there are situations and consequences to our decisions that we have to live with. We have to sit in for some time, natural consequences of life, before there can be a response. Now, we could not respond to his need. Our heart was to respond to his need. It was impossible to respond to his need because the seatbelt sign was on. So poor little Joshua and all the rest of us had to sit there while Joshua 
literally sat in his mess and we all experienced the lovely fragrance of that mess while that seatbelt sign was on until it was safe to do so. And then his father, because his father loves him obviously more than me, his father loves him. No, that's not true. I love Joshua dearly. I just didn't want to change poo on on an airplane. Hello. (laughs) What a mess. I I turned him over to his father and his father responded at just the right time. I want you to know that your father loves you so much. If it looks like nothing's happening, maybe you're sitting in it for a reason. Seriously. Maybe you're sitting in the mess that you're in for a reason. Maybe it's not safe at that point in time to clean it up. I don't know the reasons why always, but it's our job to trust him that he knows best. Now to him who is able He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Now, Joshua wasn't aware at that point in time in his life that his father actually had his best interests at heart. He just had to wait. He wasn't aware. He was a six-week-old baby. And yet we did. And we responded as soon as it was possible because we love him. I want to tell you this great big God loves you more than I can say loves you more than you can imagine. He won't let you sit there. He won't let you sit in it forever. Okay, he will respond. He does respond. He responds because he loves you. You can trust him. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more. Now, so I told you about my first flight with Joshua. So on my trip home to do exceedingly abundantly more, this is the next point, so on our trip home, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make sure every single base is covered. And, and thank Jesus that Joshua evacuated before we got on the aeroplane on the trip home. I was very, very grateful. I'm like, excellent. Nothing can go wrong with a baby on an aeroplane, six week old. Nothing can go wrong. So I, I decided I'd pull out my concoction of kindness and I'd get ready before the flight with, you know, the fair spray, the Panadol, the nose suction, get it all ready so that the flight would be awesome. But silly me was in a bit of a rush and I grabbed the bottle and I started feeding him before I gave him the Panadol and the fair spray and, the, and all that stuff. And I thought, that's all right. When he comes up for air and needs a burp, I'll give it all to him then. So I'm feeding, 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 and then he comes up, has a burp, and I thought, I'll bombard him with my concoction of kindness. Panadol, psh, fast spray, psh, psh. <laughs> suction, suck, suck. And Joshua responded as every loving baby does. He gave exceedingly abundantly more back to me than I could ever ask or imagine. That baby threw up everything that was in his dummy all over himself and all over me. Literally, absolutely everywhere. That boy gave everything he had exceedingly abundantly more than I could have ever asked or imagined. I'm sitting there in this aeroplane, in this aeroplane, in the waiting area for aeroplane. What is that called? The waiting terminal, sitting in the terminal. And I'm literally covered in vomit, literally covered. And Joshua is literally covered in vomit. Now, I had a plan for him. I had a change of clothes, but did I have a plan for me? Absolutely not. I had to sit in that mess for the whole flight home. Joshua gave exceedingly abundantly more. Now, this is what God does for us. He doesn't vomit on us, (laughs) but God gives us exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. I want you to picture this. 
I'm sure we've all been here. Well, maybe we haven't. So if, if someone's got a daughter and you say to your daughter, sweetheart, your room is a mess. It's terrible. It's just terrible. I want you to clean up your room before I get home. Meanwhile, the rest of the house is still a bit of a mess as well. And when you get home, she's not only cleaned up her bedroom, but she's gone out to the lounge room and everything is spotless. The bathroom is like glowing and the kitchen is like, wow, I didn't know it could look this way. That is exceedingly abundantly more than you could have ever asked or imagined, yeah? You don't imagine that that's what's going to be the response. Ever had that response? No? No. <laughs> oh, and mowed the lawn. Yes, exceedingly abundantly more. The, ver the word that Paul uses when he wrote this, this actual verse from the Greek is the word, it's, it's actually for the word hyper, hyper, meaning more than or like, like hyper, you know, someone goes hyperactive, hyper, hyper this, hyper that. But he doesn't just use the word once. He says hyper, hyper. So like this is like hyper, hyper. This is ex like more than extreme. This is like way over the top. Well, coming home from Riverway Pool yesterday, I went for like half an hour swim because we were a bit crazy. And my, ch my child, Joshua, who's obviously acclimatizing, he gets out of the pool and he comes out and he's shaking, shivering. His blues are gone. Mom, I'm hypothermic. I mean, where does this come from? You know, hyper, hyper. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Another story. This, little, this is what it means, hyper. It's more than, it's more than. By the way, hypo is completely different to hyper. Another story. <laughs> Another story for you. There's a romantic man and it's their wedding anniversary. I hope you're listening. <laughs> I hope you're listening. And he knows that his wife would love to travel to Paris. Knows. This is not true, by the way. I'm just hoping he's listening. Anyway, hoping one day that she could get to Paris. And so it's their wedding anniversary, their 20th wedding anniversary. <laughs> and he comes to her and he's got this gift. And he, and he brings it out and it's a parasol. And it's got a picture of Paris on the top. And she's like, well, he knows I love Paris. Obviously, he's bought me this because he knows I love Paris. And she opens up the parasol and stuck on the inside is an envelope. And she opens up the envelope and inside is a plane ticket. Yes, hyper, hyper, exceedingly, abundantly more than she could ever ask or imagine. But inside that envelope is like $10,000 spending money. Everything that she could ask or imagine. Hyper, hyper. You're saving? You're getting this? You're getting this? No? He's getting worried. 20th wedding anniversary next year. If anyone wants to contribute to the GoFundMe page, I'll put it on. Paris, here we come. Yeah, but this is exactly the term that Paul uses when he's writing this. It's hyper, hyper. It's exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. That is how much God is able. That is how much we can trust him with our stuff. That is how much we can trust him. He is more than able. Not according to our power, but it says according to the power of him that is within us. We've been speaking a lot lately about the, about the verse. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
It is by his power within us that he does this amazing stuff. And he does do it. It's transcendent. It goes to a higher level. And it's not based on happiness. I just want to say that because it's not, God doesn't give us a little happiness shot and say, off you go. It's not like that. It, he gives us this deep-seated joy that we can carry on regardless of the circumstances because the reality is sometimes our circumstances are a mess, yeah? Sometimes we literally are sitting in massive mess. And he says, you can trust me with your mess. You can trust me in all circumstances. When things go pear-shaped, it's more than happiness. It's deeper than a surface thing. It's joy in all things because he is able. And because of that, we can give him glory. So when Joshua was a baby, he didn't understand that we had his best interests at heart. When he was hungry... He cried because babies do that. When they're needy, they cry. And it's like us. When we're new to faith, when we're needy, we cry and we say, God, where are you? And as we grow in our maturity, we start to understand that God, God loves us regardless of our circumstances, even if we have to wait for food, even if we have to wait to be fed. Now, as Joshua has grown, I hope, and Rebecca's grown, they understand that they, they will be fed. They, there will be food on the table. may not be good if it's coming from me, but there will be food on the table. We have their best interests at heart because we love them. I want you to understand that as you grow in your faith, you will understand that he has his best, best interest in heart for you. His plans for you are good. And when you're looking at your circumstances, you might go, actually, it doesn't seem like that because I'm in this mess. I want you to know that regardless of what you're facing today, he is trustworthy to deal with it because more than Andrew and I love our beautiful two children, God loves you. And he will not let you stay in that mess forever. There will be a time that it's cleaned up. There will be a time where you look back and go, I am victor- I've been victorious in that situation and now I'm in a different place and I'm walking in a different way. There will be a time where you'll say, I remember when God did this and I remember how I responded and now today I'm victorious because of it. I'm more so victorious. And so because of that, we can say to him, be the glory. I want to just share as I finish a story with you. You can come up, worship team. When um, I've shared some of this story before to you um, about how Andrew and I waited a very long time to have children, 12 years in fact, before um, Joshua and Rebecca came into our lives or Joshua first. And there was a time in my faith journey, now we were pastors of a church and so there's a time in my faith journey where I had a dream about this whole situation of not being able to have a baby and in this dream I share this I share it tentatively because it's kind of personal you know so putting it out there so I had this dream and in this dream um, there was a lolly shop counter and God was standing on the other side of this lolly shop counter and all these people were coming up and they were being served by God and getting answers and and I was standing there and it was like God was overlooking me and all these people are coming up getting served and, and I looked at God in my dream and I said, what is wrong with you? 
I've been standing here longer than everyone else. Why won't you serve me? This is what I did in my dream. What is wrong with you? Why won't you serve me? I've been standing here longer than all these people are getting served. Why won't you serve me? And I didn't get an answer. I just woke up and I was so sad. I was just so, so sad. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, I was just so still, so sad. This dream was just so real to me. Why won't you serve me? Where are you, God? Why won't you serve me? I need you. I need you in this. I'm trusting you. You're not coming through. So a couple of weeks later, our young adults were going to a conference. It's called Planet Shakers Conference. It used to be on in Brisbane. And being the good core officers that we were, (laughs) we decided to go along with them to this Planet Shakers Conference. And I tell you what, what was going on inside of me was a lot of, I just was a lot of confusion. Where was God? I needed him. And I felt like there was nothing, no answers, no nothing. We'd been waiting so long, at this point about 10 years. Nothing, nothing. So I go along to the conference and I, you know, try and join in. And, you know, you don't want to let anyone know what you're feeling when you're feeling like that. You just want to look like you've got it all together. And I try my best to look like I've got it all together. And yet inside I was aching. And so um, we went to one of the speakers, and I don't know if you've heard of a guy by the name of Reinhard Bonnke. You've heard of Reinhard Bonnke. He's a worldwide evangelist. He's a preacher. And he, and he preached, and so everyone was looking forward to this worldwide evangelist preaching, and I was looking forward to it too, thinking, oh, this will be good. And I've got to tell you, I've never been more bored in my life. I sat there going, oh, this is terrible. Why am I sitting here? I feel like God's against me. He's not answering me. He's not serving me. He's not, he's not there for me. And I'm sitting there with this attitude of, ah, it wasn't, wasn't pretty. If you could see what was going on inside my heart. And then all of a sudden, Reinhard Bonnke said this. When I was a young boy, we were very, very poor. But <laughs> it still makes me cry. <sighs> but I knew... If my mum came home with a lolly for my brother, she would have a lolly for me. I'm like, what? What's this lolly, sh- this lolly business? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say anything bad. <laughs> and then he said this, tonight, God is at the lolly shop counter. And he will not overlook you. Of all the things that that man could have said, God is at the lolly shop counter and he will not overlook, overlook you. I mean, I'm sure everyone else is going, lolly shop counter, what's he talking about? Three weeks before that, I'd had this dream of me at a lolly shop counter and God was overlooking me. And he said, God is at the lolly shop counter. He will not overlook you. You can trust him. And he goes, if you need a miracle tonight, get on your feet. Well, I reckon I was the first one up. Oh, me, 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 I'm here, I'm here, send me, send me, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And I stood up and I began to worship. And then I heard God say this to me, clear as I've ever heard anyone speak to me. You will have a son, and his name is Joshua. Because his mandate on life 
is to be a bringer of salvation. I heard those words as clear as I've heard a person ever speak to me. So I go, okay, God, then you, it's going to be a miracle. It's going to be a miracle. You're going to just do it. Because at this point, you know, we're looking at walking down the road of IVF and, and I clearly, again, heard God say to me, who are you to tell me how it will happen? Walk the road that's in front of you and see my miracle. And at that point, I knew it was okay for us to walk down this, the road of IVF and that's what we did. And But you know what? didn't happen straight away. I still stood there. It was another two years. In between that, I miscarried twice, twins one time. There was pain on the journey, but yet God came through. Yeah? God came through. I want you to know today, whatever it is you are facing, he is at the lolly shop counter. He can be trusted. You can trust him that he will respond. It could take time. You could sit in your pain for a long time, but he will respond. Don't give up. Don't give up. Hold on. Reach out to him. Give him the glory even when you're in the middle of pain. Step out and say, I trust you regardless because we need him. That's the only way we're going to get through it. We need him. We're going to sing a song. Lord, I need you. Because the truth is, I cannot do this without him. I can't. I'm like so human. I share a lot of my humanness here with you. I share it because I want you to know this uniform and red epaulets don't make me any more special. My relationship with him is still, I still have to reach out to him. I still have to choose to trust him. I still have to choose to say yes. When I'm in the middle of saying, where are you, God? And I do sometimes say, where are you, God? I need you, God. In that moment, in that moment, I need to know I can still trust him. Last week, Andrew spoke about trusting him. Um, like when they crossed the Jordan River and they took those stones as a remembrance to say, look what you've done in the past, you're going to do a miracle in the future after the Jordan River split and they crossed that Jordan River. I want you to know God has done miracles in the past. He will continue to do miracles in the future. You can trust him. And today, if you're holding on to stuff and not trusting him with it, I encourage you to say yes Give it over to him and let him have his way. He loves you, loves you, loves you. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So turn to him now. Give it to him now. If today you need to give stuff to him, I encourage you to come. Kneel, stand, turn to someone next to you and say, hey, I need help. I'm struggling with this and I'm not, I'm not able to get through it. I'm sitting in my mess, quite literally. I need to trust him with that. I encourage you to give it over today. You can trust him. He is faithful. Let's worship, hey? Why don't we stand to worship? And as we sing this song, Make it your prayer. Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. If you want to publicly make that declaration, feel free. Just in your seats, want to make the declaration. That's all good. But today we need him. We need him so much. Let's sing.
bowing head.